Well, happy 4th of July weekend. I hope all of you have some amazing plans to rest and hang out with your friends and family in the days to come. You know, as Americans, we love to celebrate our freedoms, especially on 4th of July. Our freedom of religion, our freedom of speech, our freedom of press, our freedom of assembly, and our freedom of petition. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just look at our Bill of Rights. Like, those are the first top five things in our Bill of Rights. So if you don't know those, you might want to familiar, you know, familiarize yourself with that. But anyways, you know, the 4th of July is all about these things, right? Well, just so you know, uh, this message is not on American freedoms today. I'm not talking about our freedom as Americans. But I said in this message, I'm actually talking about what we get to live in as Christians, and that's freedom. The freedom of living a life connected to the source that helps us with our daily lives, and that source is the Holy Spirit. If you've been following along with this summer's reading plan, um, or you've heard all the messages maybe online, uh, when we come to Hosea, it might have really messed with your idea of who God is. Like, God in Hosea just seems like he's angry all the time. And you're just like, this is not the God I know, this is not the God I'm familiar with. Well, I'm going to give you a quick synopsis again of the book, because this is our last week in our Boundless series. And the Israelites are like children who wanted to be free from their parents' rules, and they wanted to make their own decisions, which got them in trouble all the time. If you know anything about the history of the Israelites. And then God would get frustrated like any good parent, and he would try to course correct them. And in Hosea, he was using Hosea as his mouthpiece to do that. So let's be honest. Sometimes we're like the Israelites, guys, when it comes to a life and relationship and partnership with the Father. Um, we want to live our own lives. We want to break the rules sometimes. And, you know, and the Israelites would have rather lived a life in slavery, slavery to their idols than to live a life of freedom that any good parent like Jesus, like God was trying to give them, um, and they would just walk away from it all. And, you know, I don't really know about you, but the book of Hosea, through the reading plan this summer, really had a, a powerful impact on my life and how I actually began to view the Father's boundless love and patience and grace for us. And to be very transparent, over the last few months, I've had some really hard moments with the Father in my secret place about all the things going on with my health. If you're not familiar with this, in my health journey right now, I was diagnosed with breast cancer stage three back in April. And I've had some really hard conversations about the impact of my health and the impact that it's having on my family. And I've been frustrated. I've been questioning him a ton in my lack of understanding. And some of my moments, honestly, sometimes my lack of faith of how he's going to use this for the good. And you know what? It's been amazing because even through all of my questioning and my frustration and my lack of faith, he's been a boundless father showing me love, patience, and grace. And even sometimes in those moments in my secret place, the next day I come around, that thing, that exact thing I was questioning him about, he would provide an answer for. But you see, it's not just his boundless love for me, and it's actually his boundless love for all of us in all of our moments. The Father keeps calling for his children to come home, even when we're frustrated and broken, and even when he gets frustrated and brokenhearted for us, he still shows us his boundless patience. He shows us his boundless love, and he shows us now his boundless grace. And his grace now empowers us to make new choices. 
You know, we've seen this play out in every chapter of Hosea. The book is set up by God telling Hosea to marry a prostitute. He says, go marry Gomer because I want to use your relationship with Gomer as a prophetic picture of his feelings towards Israel and their rebellion. And yet God never stopped pursuing them to come home. Even in his anger, he's still patient with his people. He still loves his people in the most difficult times of them searching for other things but him. In last week, Adam walked us through Hosea chapter 11, and it was actually a bright moment in Hosea. If you've read chapter 11, it's like, oh my gosh, you actually see the Father's heart in this moment. God is painting a beautiful picture of what his fatherly, fatherly love looks like for Israel. And then, when we get through chapter 11, we jump right back into chapters 12 and 13, where he's frustrated and angry again. And I just want to paint a short picture of that. Hosea chapter 12, verse 1. The people of Israel fed on the wind. They chased after the east wind all day long. They piled lies and violence. They are making an alliance with Assyria while sending olive oil to buy support from Egypt. Now the Lord is bringing charges against Judah. He is about to punish Jacob for all of his deceitful ways and pay him back for all he has done. Even in the womb, Jacob struggled with his brother when he became a man. He even fought with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel in one. He wept and pleaded for a blessing from him. Then there at Bethel, he met God face to face, and God spoke to him. And then the Lord of God's heaven's armies, the Lord is in his name. So now come back to your God, act with love and justice, and always depend on him. Do you guys remember the story of Jacob at all? You know, Jacob... Here's just some key details of his life. The grabbing of Esau's, Esau's heel in the womb. Like, he was wanting, even in the womb, to be the one that received the blessing, right? And, and his defiance of the angel with whom he wrestled, he's portrayed as a man who's willing to push aside even his own brother to, to be successful. Jacob's life was filled with struggles and battles of survival, but it is at Bethel where actually God offers the covenant to Jacob. And so the story of Jacob's life is rearranged by Hosea to offer us a picture of how Jacob believed he could fight and make happen things in his life. What needed to make happen, you know, what needed to happen. But in the end, only through the grace and the gift of God that he receives his blessing. So like Jacob, Israel is chasing after the wind. Have you ever tried to actually chase or capture the wind? I mean, we may use the wind. And in Illinois, if you're around Central Illinois, you see all the wind farms. We actually use the wind here to create energy with all the wind farms. But actually, there's no way to control the wind. Israel was seeking to control which they could not control. They were seeking alliances but with anyone but God. And instead of turning to the one that could actually help them, they relied on themselves and their alliances to save them. Hosea was actually warning them that this was not going to save them. So he uses Jacob as a picture here because they know the history of Jacob. They know the story of Jacob. And so it's almost as Hosea was setting up a courtroom scene in, in chapter 12 and 13 in which he describes the failing of the nation by comparing their actions with the actions of Jacob. And he's showing us that the nation of Israel has taken all of the bad qualities on of Jacob and none of the good qualities. How often do we do the same things in our lives? 
We believe that we, if we can align ourselves with a certain belief or a movement and think it will bring us happiness or peace. We may even take on the quality of someone or something else. And not only it won't, then we don't even see it deliver on its promises. Like we, we're, we're living this life thinking this is going to happen and then we're like, where, where are the things that this thing promised me? And it actually turns, it harms, it turns on us and it harms us. Galatians 5.1 says this, At least we have freedom, for Christ has set us free. We must always cherish this truth and firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. See, having freedom and liberty does not mean that we have a license to do whatever we want. That's what the Israelites were doing. However, what it does mean is that we have freedom in Christ. It means we get to go on a journey with him. And we get to become what he has determined us for determined us to become. What God the Father planned for you and what Jesus purchased for you on the cross, the Holy Spirit personalizes for you and then applies it to your life as you partner with him. There are a lot of people in the world that hear the word grace and think it's a license to do whatever they want. Actually, it's not. Grace is not a license to sin. Rather, it's an empowerment to live differently. Living in grace means you get to depend on the Father's abundant supply for every need. So we need to stay connected with consistency and intimacy with him because now grace empowers us to make new choices. Why? Because God's grace is actually sufficient for every demand in our life. You now have the freedom to make new choices and, you, and you're now free to live the life that you were originally designed to live which was an intimate relationship connected to our Father. See, the Father shows his boundless forgiveness, his boundless patience, his boundless love through the redemption story of the nation that Hosea is you know, talking to. Just like Paul shows us what freedom in Christ looks like in Galatians. God's personality does not change. Why? Because he's not human. Adam talked a lot about that last week. See, humans allow their situations to dictate their responses. And our Father doesn't allow our actions to dictate His response towards us. His response towards us is always His boundless forgiveness, His boundless patience, His boundless love, and His boundless grace. We're going to see this in chapter 14 of Hosea. Chapter 14 in Hosea, uh, Hosea 14 shows us that his boundless grace to a nation that's consistently rejecting him. Hosea sets up chapter 14 calling the nation to repentance with God's promise of redemption. God had to punish Israel for its gross and repetitive violations of the law. But he did it with a heavy heart. His, he, God loved his people. And he really wanted them to be restored as a nation so that they could prosper. Hosea 14.1 Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all your sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. See, here's the thing. The people can return to God by asking him to forgive them of all of their sins. And the same is true for us. 
This prayer in Hosea 14, verse 2, is the same prayer that you could actually pray. Right? We can pray. We can pray the same prayer that Hosea is calling the, the nation of Israel to pray. We can pray with confidence and know that the Father has forgiven us of our sins because why? Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. The sacrifice of praise in verse 2 refers to a thank offering actually to God. God desires real, heartful, heartfelt repentance, not annual sacrifices. This is what he's saying. Remember the Father's love for us is so good and so boundless that sometimes he gives us needed course corrections. We, we see this all the way through the book of Hosea. And in those course corrections, our real is where real heartfelt repentance actually can take place. I loved Adam's depiction last year about how we, last, last year, last week, <laughs> about how we had to plow our hearts so that we can reap his heart. That's repentance. And we do this in partnership and relationship with him. Guys, we cannot demand forgiveness. Think about that for a minute. We cannot demand forgiveness, but instead we can be confident that we have already received forgiveness because of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. We don't have to demand anything because of Jesus. And because of Jesus, the Father has boundless grace for us and wants us to restore us, just like he wanted to restore the, the nation of Israel. Choosing to believe you are not guilty actually releases freedom and grace over your lives. It means you're giving up, up the thoughts of man who are always wanting to point fingers at what you might be doing wrong and replacing them with the thoughts of our Heavenly Father. But the Father doesn't look at us the same way the world looks at us. Right? He already sees you through, the only way He sees you is through His Son's completeness on the cross and what His Son did. His Son's Completed death and resurrection took care of all of our guilt. And he says you are forgiven. He says you are free. He says you are righteous. He says you are perfect. And that you are made whole because of his son Jesus. Remember, Jesus' only mission in coming was to restore the relationship that was lost between God and man after sin entered the world. He came to make what was wrong right. And in doing so, we actually now can experience grace, and now we can have grace, and now grace empowers us to make new choices. See, Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins in the Old Testament. I'm sorry, let me correct that, I said that wrong. Jesus actually uh, gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, and in the Old Testament, animal sacrifices were continually offered at the temple by priests on behalf of the people. The sacrifices showed the Israelites the seriousness of sin and that the blood that had been shed for, for his people could be pardoned. <clears throat> but the blood of the animals could not really remove sins. So this is why Jesus needed to come. This is why Jesus died. He died to bring freedom to his people. He died so that you and I could experience freedom in our lives and so that we can now live in boundless grace. John 8, 32 says this, For if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom in your lives. 
If we're living each day partnered with the Holy Spirit, then the words of the Father will be in your mind. It will be on your heart. His love is behind your actions. And the power of the Holy Spirit will help you work through the stubbornness when it comes to behavior changes. Because grace now is empowering us to make those new choices. I want to give you an example of what this actually looks like in my own life. Earlier in the message, I mentioned that the hard conversations I had been having with the Father and what was going on and with me physically. So each day before I get out of bed, I have to make a choice. I have to make the choice to get up and to start my day on my own and live in my woe is me attitude, I have cancer, this sucks. Or to start every day by inviting the Holy Spirit into my day before my feet even hit the ground. So let me describe to you what happens, because this is a real struggle right now. Because I'll be honest, I'm not always feeling 100%, and I can live in that woe is me really, really easy. <laughs> really easy. And as, as Adam says, I, you know, I have every excuse in the book to not do things. But before I even hit the ground, this is what it looks like when I actually invite the Holy Spirit into my day. If I don't, I'm sorry, if I don't invite the Holy Spirit in my day, this is what it looks like. I struggle with my attitude and I'm angry that I have to walk this journey. I struggle with my kids and their attitudes and I'm, I get tired of them clinging to me all the time because let's be, true, let's be truthful about this. My kids are struggling with this just as much as I am and they have all big feelings and we all have big feelings about this. I lose my temper quicker. I struggle with my schedule. I'm, very, I'm a very scheduled person. I really like routine in my day. And if I don't start my day with the Holy Spirit, I can let my schedule get off really easily. And I handle situations and conversations poorly. I'm literally on the struggle bus all day long. Like I just can't get going. My day's a lot harder than it should be. Why? Because I'm relying on my own wisdom and my own strength to carry me through my day. Instead of relying on my living helper, who is the Holy Spirit. But here's what happens when I choose to invite the Holy Spirit into my day first. I just say these three little words. These are famous words in the vineyard we like to say before we even pray. Come, Holy Spirit. And then I get out of bed. And then my attitude and, what I, and the way I see my situation actually changes. I can see myself as he sees me, and I can see my situation as a way to rely on him. I can see my kids for who they are and understand that they're having feelings towards things and they're, they're struggling too in their own way. And I don't get to see them in my frustrations of them constantly wanting to be clingy. <laughs> I'm really quick, I'm, I'm being really transparent here. I, mean, I can be really quick to forgive, even if I feel offended or hurt by things that are happening. I'm actually slow to speak, and my words are more purposeful in conversations because I'm not responding in anger. I can stay focused on what needs to be done and still have time for relationships with others. And in hard conversations, I can actually see people in their created value and not my, pro my projected expectations of them. See, my day looks a lot different when I start this way. Because with my new understanding of who I am as a much-loved daughter, I begin to access my true nature 
And that nature affects, uh, reflects my father. My nature is actually completely set free, even from this disease that I have. I began to see this because the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal this to me when I'm connected to him on a daily basis. See, self-awareness of who you are and who you are connected to is actually the gateway of breakthrough in your own life. And who you are is free. You're free. When we say yes to Jesus, there is an internal work done by the Holy Spirit that actually produces fruit in our lives so that we can live the way that the Father intended us to live. There's a, there's a way of plowing and reaping and you know of his heart that goes hand in hand with our relationship with him. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit, of the, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a, full, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of the Spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus Christ have already experienced his crucifixion, for everything connected to our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah. If the Spirit is the source of our life, we also must also allow the Spirit to direct every aspect of our lives. See, when we live a life full of freedom and we have a life, we have, you know, life in the deepest part of our being, even when life around us seems to be unraveling and you don't understand what's going on, and there's situations ahead of you that are just, you don't know how it's going to be taken care of, we are actually no longer subject to the world's message. We now have an unlimited source of comfort, connection, and confidence that comes from within us. Because now grace is empowering us to make those new choices. Let's read verse 25 again. If the Spirit is the source of our life, we must also allow the Spirit to direct every aspect of our lives. When we're partnering with the more of the Holy Spirit, we're not just walking in a one-time filling and indwelling but in a place that, where we can be honestly and, and consistently filled. The Spirit empowers us to produce fruit in our lives so that we can function and make new choices as we grow with Him and we're free on a daily basis. If we don't know what's happening on the inside of us, we won't have the power or desire to partner with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to partner with us so that we can experience freedom, not just once, but every day. So I'm just going to pray, and I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and rest on us and release some new things in your lives. And then we will see you next week online. So Holy Spirit, come. I just ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you release freedom in people's lives where they feel bound. I ask that you release life to those who want a new life and have never said yes to Jesus. I pray that you just move their feet towards that. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just impart wisdom and understanding to those of us that are asking the hard questions today. I ask for you to impart grace upon grace upon grace so people can experience freedom from their guilty conscience. That you just break those things off in their life that they can actually just feel complete freedom 
as they walk in relationship with you. And I ask Holy Spirit today that you show people how they really are truly sons and daughters and that they have new, a new identity in the kingdom and a new identity in you. And so, Father, I just ask all these things in your name. Amen.